Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. I am your host, Adam Diamond, and today we are doing kind of part two of heresies that affects the Trinity, but today we're talking more about uh, heretical beliefs that are in relation directly to Jesus Christ, or in other words, Christological heresies. Today I have with me Mr. David Drover. Hi, everyone. We have our, you know, our one and only American, John Lewis. Good day, everyone. You can tell the difference right there. Totally. <laughs> and we have Stephen Da. Salute. Interesting. <laughs> what do you have? What do you have? How's it? How's it going, boys? Not bad. Yeah, Not bad. Great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, I think it's be fun. I I enjoyed talking about you know, the heresies, and again, I think it's important for us to believe like what. Wait, is... wait, 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 wait! You enjoy heresies? I enjoy talking about heresies. <laughs> okay. We might need to talk about this after. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna talk but about it right now. <laughs> uh, no, I enjoy talking about it because I think it's important for us to know like what some false beliefs are, because it helps us better understand understand what the truth is. Well, and I mean, let's be let's be as clear as we can be about this when we talk about heresies we're not talking about a mere error a heresy is an error that if believed undercuts the gospel itself mm-hmm. oh absolutely it's not just a preference or you know a you know s- simple textual disagreement or right. anything it's actual belief that puts your salvation at stake absolutely it's a big deal so, so like uh for example we can have a difference of opinion about uh, specific roles for men and women in the church. Mm-hmm. Neither side are technically, by their by the token of that conclusion, heretical, though one group is wrong. Yep. Or both groups are wrong. Or like pineapple on pizza. Yeah, well, no, that's actually heresy. <laughs> that's, that, that's damnable. I hate to break it to my wife then. I told her she was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so we're going to talk about errors in belief to Jesus Christ. Uh, but to get started, so this obviously has to do with the person of Jesus, who he is, who he was on earth, you know, even who he is in sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. Um, but uh, let's start off with the incarnation of Christ, and that's a big word. Uh, but can you guys help me break down like what is the incarnation of Christ? What is it that we believe? Well, I mean, in, in, the word itself is helpful. It's from Latin for uh, to bring in to put into flesh, incarne. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I mean, I think if we were going to pick somewhere to kind of. If we were to point you to somewhere in your Bible, open up. I think John one is just an excellent spot. I mean, I guess if I were to kind yeah, of try John and simplify 1. it, just God becoming man, um, yeah, dwelling uh, uh, among us is. I mean, if we want to be literal about it, John one fourteen says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us." Mm-hmm. That's that that is as quickly as possible a statement of what the incarnation means. Yeah, and the Word in that case, as John says in the very first verse, is that the Word is God. Um, right. So God coming in the flesh. So was it just like part man, part God? Like how does that work? Uh, well, I mean the the official the official belief of Christians uh, over history would have been that there is something called the hypostatic union of Christ, mm-hmm. which would mean that there is a a, a way that Christ is both one hundred percent God and one hundred percent man. Yep. And yeah. I, I asked that on purpose because it's gonna come to, you know, that's going to be important to some of these false 
right. beliefs that you know we're going to address later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. and I have to say that trying to comprehend that, I mean, can really just blow your mind. Mm-hmm. It is truly beyond our comprehension to think God came down to earth in the form of a man to live amongst us, you know, and still having the, all the glory and and fully being a human being just like us. Yeah, I can remember doing my first uh, Christology course in uh, Bible college and reading the book, you know, about the 200% man is what they call it. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was just interesting to go through the idea that he wasn't just, you know, half man, half God. No, he was fully man and fully God. Well, I mean, this is kind of important because demigods are actually a thing that, like, Greek and Roman mm-hmm. uh, mythology would have understood. But that's not what we believe about Jesus. Yeah, me and Ray, actually, my daughter, actually just started watching last night the uh, Disney Hercules movie. <laughs> so, you know, I want to talk about demigods, right? You know, and they're like, yeah, your godhood can be restored if you prove yourself to be a true hero. And mm. anyways, it's yeah. it's interesting to take my dollar through it. Mm. So, guys, so, yeah, so that's, if you're listening, that's the incarnation of Christ and the hypostatic union. So that's your two $5 theological words of the day brought to you by coffee. Not really, but <laughs> there probably be many more. <laughs> there will be a few more today, I think. Yeah. All right, so, you know, this is obviously, like we say, it's not something that you can actually fully grasp because we think of ourselves as 100% human, and we think of things as mixing. You lose part of something else. Right. Right? Like if, you know, let's say you were you were white and your spouse was black, you would have, you would in our minds, we would kind of go like 50-50. Right. Now, right? of course, I'm, I, I, I'm a little bit loath to come to any kind of... Uh, analogy that we could deal with this, but there are situations where we can be 100% of two different things at the same time. Mm. I mean, uh, I am 100% uh, my uh, my father's son, and I am 100% my mother's son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when we think of Jesus and God coming to man, we're like, well, we kind of want to say like something is lost there right. or something. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of where these false beliefs have come from trying to understand Absolutely. who Jesus was. Yeah. And you know, who God was coming in Jesus or how that worked itself out. Um, so I've got a few heresies like the podcast. I, last one, I picked three, uh, by the way. And so today we're going to talk about Arianism, docetism and adoptionism. And just like the last one, so for those listening, I'll I'll give us all uh, a quick definition here of them. So let's start with adoptionism. So adoptionism taught that Jesus was born totally human and only later was, quote unquote, adopted either at his baptism or at his resurrection by God in a special divine way. So what is wrong with that belief? With adoptionism? Yes, adoptionism. Well... I mean, first of all, I guess the the mo- the clearest one would be that there'd actually be then two separate and separable be- uh, essences of Jesus. So, in fact, the humanity and divinity of Jesus are not actually fully ontologically unified. They're just simply two th- two facets of Jesus. We've got one. We've got you know Jesus essentially getting possessed by the divine, mm-hmm. uh, which. Mm-hmm isn't the same thing as the as Jesus being the enfleshed God. Yeah, yeah. the the um I mean just the claim just stating that he was a man before he was adopted by God. I mean uh like you say with the gospel of John um talking about his preexistence um 
you know, all of his titles applied to him um, and the worship he receives, all part of his divine nature. I mean, that this adoptionism just basically uh, nullifies all of that. Mm-hmm. But also, too, when we think about the idea that all of, all of mankind and men and women, we, we have sinful natures. That's just something that we inherit. Um, so if Jesus were initially a man and not God, then therefore he would have also inherited this sinful nature and in him of himself would have needed saving. Right. But at least in the human side of who he is, he would need saving. Exactly. So, but how could he then properly actually function as a substitute Mm -hmm. on the cross to actually save mankind as he wouldn't actually have been perfect? Well, and and I mean, I want to accent that a little bit more extremely. I mean, the fact is, if these two facets of the divine of the divine and human natures of Christ are so easily separable Jesus isn't the middle middle way between us and God he can't be our intermediary because he's just two separate segments of like part of him is the human and part of him is the God mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but they're I'd, not the same thing I would, I would also have to ask too like um, if this is the case if this is you know what you believe. This one's not as popular today, um, but what would make that different from how we're adopted now, as Scripture tells us? Well, I think that's kind of why I disagree about whether or not it's popular. Mm. I'd say that uh, a lot of more New Agey types of Christians are going to uh, gravitate to this, you know, the idea that a Christ consciousness yeah, that's found fair, itself yeah. in, in Jesus. And, you know, uh, I mean, I can remember many years ago, back when I was, you know, a young feller reading the Celestine prophecy, and one of them was that you know Jesus. One of the things was Jesus was just the first person to find his divine nature and to mm. uh, again allow for it. Now that's not quite adoptionism, but it is a similarity to adoptionism. Mm-hmm. Again, that there is something alien within us that is the divine. And that's a good point too. I mean, just a quick little maybe like segue, but like a lot of these heresies do sound kind of like other heresies or a kind of flow from them. We'll see that too with Arianism coming up, but yeah, yeah, they can be very similar. And it, it always amazed me that the guys who authored these heresies, um, I understand trying to understand Christ from a human perspective, but it just seems like they're going through more trouble just trying to define something that they completely don't understand. And in doing so, they end up misinterpreting so much nullifying other passages of Scripture, and just making a mess of things when it's completely unnecessary. Well, except, uh, and I mean, I, I don't want to be an apologist for heretics, but let's face it, each of these heresies come from somebody having something that they don't understand, and mm-hmm. instead of just leaving it there, or you know, looking to the Word of God and asking it, they, they come up with a theory by which this is going to fit. Because, again, the number one problem with adoptionism is it's actually denied by the Gospel of John, which says that, you know, mm. the pre-existent God became mm-hmm. flesh and dwelt among us. Yep, not far off of the uh, previous God can episodes that we've done before. Right. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to hear about someone who had an idea and then went to Scripture with it, uh, feel free to listen to those episodes where we mm. talk on why the fact that it's not God can't, but God can. Uh, yeah, so that's a quick one on adoptions. But again, we're, we're just going to go through these briefly because uh, if we really wanted to break these down, I mean, we could have a full episode on a number of these. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so let's let's talk on uh, docetism. So docetism taught that Jesus Christ, as a purely divine being who only had the quote-unquote appearance of being human, 
Regarding his suffering, some versions taught that Jesus' divinity abandoned or left him upon the cross while others claimed that he only appeared to suffer like he only appeared to be human. So let's break that down. Well, it, yeah, I can understand, you know, like I said, where they're coming from in trying to understand this, this fully God, fully human thing, but uh, their ideas range from everything that he was some kind of heavenly body to, mm-hmm. uh, to the extreme to where he was like a phantasm or an illusion. Right. And that everything he did was just an illusion to humans witnessing well, it. I mean, when it comes to docetism, it's probably better to think of it as a family of beliefs than it is mm. a single belief. It all comes from the single word doceo, which means it seems. But the idea there would be that it just means that Jesus, the, the, Jesus seems to be human. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. his human was a humanity was a put on. It's not actually him being uh, being human. He looks it, mm-hmm. and it, it it just goes to show how hard it is to grasp a being who is fully God and fully man, and making sense of how the divine can fully integrate with right. the physical. And I mean to be fair, there the Dostists were actually trying to avoid the heresy of you know associating something that they saw as evil mm-hmm. with with God. And I mean, you have to remember that at certain points in human history, there have been people who would say that there is a a higher reality that isn't material and that the material world itself is a problem. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that that God could become part of the material world would be completely alien to them. And sort of like insulting for him to step down to that level. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And again, too, I mean, just to highlight why this is actually heresy and why it's a salvation issue. Similar to um, what we talked about with adoptionism, if Jesus wasn't actually a man, then he couldn't represent us. Right. He couldn't actually function. I mean, we've, we've talked about in previous episodes about salvation, about the gospel, um, about this idea of penal substitution. Very quick, just that idea that when Jesus died on the cross, he bore our sins as a substitute and paid the penalty for them, for us. Um, and that's kind of how we can Essentially, I mean, it's how we can be saved, because mm-hmm. our sin can be dealt with by the sacrifice of Jesus. But if he wasn't really a man, mm-hmm. well, then he can't—how does that work? He can't actually really take our sin upon himself, because he didn't actually—and not only that, he can't also give us the righteousness that we need in order to come right. before God, because we don't only just have a sin problem, we've also got a righteousness problem, because mm-hmm. even if our sin it. was dealt with— and like we were somehow like morally neutral, God still requires us righteousness. And if yeah. Jesus, again, he wasn't that man, he couldn't accurately, what's often termed that great exchange, take our yeah. sin, give us his righteousness, and therefore provide a way for us to actually be in a relationship with a holy and just God. So that's that's the yeah. gospel What is not assumed cannot be uh, redeemed in the sense that if... God did not become human. We don't have a link to him. Jesus Mm -hmm. could not actually be our federal head. He couldn't be the person in whom we have faith because, Mm -hmm. well, he he wouldn't be in any sense us. I mean, it would be really, it'd be, you know, something we could say, oh, well, that looks really nice, and that's a great, (laughs) but it doesn't really have a lot to do with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, and this runs fairly close to um, what a lot of commentators think John was dealing with in 1 John, 
Um, I just recently came out of a sermon from First John 5, and John specifically mentions water and blood and spirit. And, you know, again, most agree, there's, there's been debate over the, over the years, over the, you know, centuries and stuff, uh, but most would agree now that the water and blood reference his baptism and his death. And what John is saying is Jesus was the Christ, and he was God, he was fully manned, he was the Messiah, he was Christ, going into the baptism, not just after, and going through the cross and at his death. Uh, you know, just because it goes back to that this says that in some variations taught that either he only appeared to suffer or that the divinity left him right. on the cross. And of course, that's going to be another big issue as well. I mean, if you're going to say that he didn't suffer as as God in any, in any sense, well, then then the infinite God who of infinite value could not have paid the penalty for sin for all of us mm-hmm. because it was mm-hmm. just the human dude who suffered, yeah. or it seemed to suffer. If he didn't actually really suffer, then did he really bear the wrath of God? Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. if if Christ does not go through um, the, his death, then we don't we don't really have a high priest, as Hebrews talks about, that is able to empathize with right. us and go to the Father on our behalf, because that would mean that the Christ consciousness or the Christ spirit or whatever you want to call it has no idea what that was like to bear the sins of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And I also highly doubt that an actual human being can bear any sins outside of his own. Right. Yeah. At least a human being who is born in in the line of Adam mm-hmm. uh, without, uh, which gets back to the question of the virgin birth when it comes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why we would affirm that. And just something as simple as um, by saying that he wasn't real, like a real person, his his blood being shed. Yeah. I mean that 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 just makes it sound like um the sacrifice was, you know, just meaningless because if it wasn't really happening then what really happened then? I mean that's why this this heresy is so bad. Mm-hmm. All right guys, uh so moving on to the next one. So this is one that's actually more prominent in certain sects. Um well, and I think this one's also the one that you know is most commonly misunderstood from the early church, mm-hmm. especially if you read Dan Brown. All right, so Arianism <laughs> taught that the pre-existent Christ was the first and greatest of God's creatures. Uh, sorry, cre- creatures. Creatures. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I mean, Can we do a podcast on what poor, a creature is. <laughs> poor pronunciation, but that's actually accenting what it what the term means. Mm. A creature, something created. Well, thank you, creatures. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so he was the first and greatest of God's creatures, but denied his fully divine status. Uh, the Arian controversy was of major importance to the development of Christology during the fourth century, but it was addressed def- definitely in the Nicene Creed. So where do we see this belief first uh, that Jesus is a created being? Uh, and then what's wrong with that? Okay, well, I mean, the, fir- uh, the first time it showed up, it, it was associated with a guy named Arius, which is where we get the terminology. I think it's important, too, though, that we recognize first and foremost that this heresy isn't saying that Jesus was merely human. Mm-hmm. It was saying that he was the greatest created being of the uh, of the Godhead. So yep. that's I have to say that because uh, Dan Brown in the Da Vinci Code has this weird idea that the Nicene the Nicene thing was to you know decide whether or not Jesus was a human or not. And no, actually, it was whether or not he was 
uh, fully and verily God or just a created God. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, w- the Arians were the created God version, which, by the way, will help you understand a few groups that probably would believe this. Uh, famously, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, yep. Mormons, mm-hmm. um, would say that Jesus is a created entity type God. I remember uh, reading the New World Translation of the Bible, which is the Jehovah's Witness Bible, which begins in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Mm-hmm. So again... That's a big difference. It is a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um and of course, I'm going to be honest here, the New World Translation is only in uh, very tangential ways a translation, but again, that's why they, they say it that way. Now, of course, it continues on, uh, throughout, through him uh, was everything made, no, with, without him nothing was made that has been made. So, I mean, obviously that means then that he can't actually have been created himself, because then there would be one thing that was created... That is not uh, that is not created through Christ, namely Christ Himself. Yeah, I think it it kind of shows, like I said, people trying to understand something that we can't fully understand, and we're yeah. trying to impart our own limitations on right. on God, and you know that's just that's just not right. Well, I mean, the issue, the the, the reason I think that they want to do it that way, and I, I, on the positive sense, it's to make sure that, you know, we aren't going to make God less than God, who God really is. But I worry sometimes about we humans, because we often like to draw things down to us. We want to make it such that, say, for example, I can be like Christ. hate to say it, but the, the old 90s, uh, what would Jesus do bracelets kind of hmm. <laughs> get to this point, you know, like, yeah. what would Jesus do? He would live a sinless life and die for all humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, but I think, too, like that, that is, I mean, it might be helpful, too, if we kind of talk about the reasoning or part of the reasoning that I think they developed this heresy and, and why that's wrong. Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe a lot of how this argument or thought actually developed um, was because they, they were thinking deeply about what it means to be a father and what it means to be a son, yeah. And that basically, in order to be a father, you have to have a son. So the father must have created the son and then became the father, and then the son became the son. It was almost right. like they were arguing based on what we see from our relationships, mm-hmm. because we are not fathers until we have, have a son. Yeah. So there must have then that must also be true of God, which obviously is a backwards way of arguing. But well, this is this is a good lesson though about the way we do sometimes mess up our theology. We mm-hmm. take the situation of what it would look like in our own lives and then apply that to God instead of looking at how God has revealed himself in scripture and then using that as the way that we try to understand how we do it because I mean there are a great many things that those of us who are fathers can learn from <laughs> the father, but mm-hmm. one of them isn't that, you know, God beca- God became the father by you know some at one point in history creating the son mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like I know a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses will bring you to Colossians one where it says you know Colossians one fifteen he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation and they'll be like hey look checkmate there it is it's like well, <laughs> n- no because uh, you keep reading like you said Steve for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Okay, then if he was created and everything was created through him, yeah, yeah, yeah that doesn't make sense. 
And of course, if you're following the logic of the argument in mm. Colossians, you recognize that what is being said there is he's the firstborn of all creation in the sense that he is the firstborn of the redeemed in the sense mm -hmm. that he is the first one. We are redeemed in him and through him. Mm -hmm. He is well, our older brother uh, through whom we are heirs of, of God. Well, in verse 18, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, then everything he might be preeminent. Right. And mm -hmm. so, like, it's also being set up that, you know, the firstborn son is the one who gets the inheritance. Uh, so it's just being framed in that sense that he is the first to resurrect. Yeah. He is the first to come back. And yes, everything was created through him. But then all glory is due him. Right. Because he is that quote unquote firstborn. Now, of course, this is going to be uh, something that we should probably, th this is an example of something that we're probably going to deal with more in the next episode or in a future episode. Mm -hmm. But the problem here is that sometimes we'll take Bible verses out of context to meet our, our desired theological perspective, hmm. but then we don't read the other texts around it. Mm. And I mean, for those of us who are listening out there, just, just to let you know this, the chapter and versifications of your Bible were actually invented much later than the Bible was written. What? <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but yeah, also just going back to Arianism again for a little bit, because I wanted to also comment, I think Steve, like you, you talked about how obviously it's wrong because it contradicts, well, I mean, John 1, as we right. referenced a few times. Um, but other kind of, you know, ways that this is wrong is when we think about the Trinity, we talked about the Trinity a bit in our last episode yep. and how that the Trinity is, um, that God is equal. Each person is fully God, but this belief that the Son was created, um, and also we talked about, sorry, in the Trinity last episode, that they're all the same being, the same essence. Mm -hmm. um, but if the Son is created from the Father, then they're not actually of the same being. They can't be of the same essence, and there's right. a lot of problems that flow and, from and that. And of course, this is where we, if, if anybody wants some more $5 theological terms, the big difference in the Nicene Creed thing was the difference between homoousius and homoousius, mm -hmm. which was uh, of of the same essence or of similar essence. Mm -hmm. and, and, that, and the only difference there was a Yoda. Yeah, and, and again, other things that kind of go wrong with this is, and I think... Again, I might I might be a little off, so correct me, Steve, if I'm not 100% accurate here, but Arianism itself is very similar to subordinationism and probably kind of came a little bit out of that. Right. Because if you think about it, if the Son is created from the Father, like they would actually believe that, you know, the Son isn't actually as... I mean, you kind of have to believe that the Father is then greater than right. the Son, um, in which case that's also causing problems because, well, you're dividing and giving more or lesser value to different members of the Trinity. So um, just of highlighting course, some of those issues as well. There's going to be a lot of problems that come in there then too, because then you're going to, the, the whole uh, strange idea of God being a divine child abuser comes in then, mm -hmm. because God would have, God the Father, who is of similar substance to the Son, sent the Son in the sense of the Son being a different being that was subordinate to him to suffer for our sake. And that's that would be child abuse, except we believe that there is only one God, mm -hmm. that God the Father is God, God the Son is God, and God the Holy Spirit is God. And God, totally, in 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 the sense, mm -hmm. has no division in its in God's will yep. to choose one of them to 
uh, Jesus wasn't sitting around saying one day, oh, well, we're playing video games on, on God the Father's couch, and God the Father says, you should go die for the sins of, the, of humanity. And he goes, oh, gosh. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it played out. No, and um, it's, it's in, this is why it's so important that we need to get this right. It's so important why we need to know who Jesus is, what we believe about him, and why, why that's important. I mean, you can't have two wills or even three wills within the Godhead because you're not in unison. You're not, you're not working together. And whose will wins in the end? I mean, we, t- we talked on that in the last podcast. Uh, but even as I you know, have watched a, uh older cartoon that's been remade from when I was childhood, I was watching it last night. And um, it's, it's called Shaman King. So basically it's the shamans who take spirits. And anyways, but no, they, they talked about how like they do possession uh, to fight each other. But they talk about how there's two wills within each other and how it's so hard for those two wills to come together. Yeah, That's not what's happening in the Godhead. Nope. And so you do not have, you know... It's also not happening in Jesus Christ, by the way. Yeah, so you don't, you don't have Jesus being possessed by the second person of the Trinity. You don't have, you know, a consciousness taking part in him and then leaving, like, because then you have a conflict of those wills. No, you have God who is fully human, fully, fully God in Jesus Christ, who is in perfect unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, our salvation could not happen. We could not have a perfect Savior who bore our sins in our place, who knows what it's like to see through temptation, every temptation that we face, who then can be king and apply that to our lives who can go to the father on our behalf and say basically i've paid their price not only do i not only do i know what they're going through but i've seen it through so they don't have to and i will apply my righteousness and my sacrifice to their life so that they do not face our wrath amen i mean mm-hmm. that, that that's amazing mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah so it's a bit of a bad friend but this is why it's so important for us to understand what we believe why we believe it, and Absolutely. why we can't just say Jesus was a good person, he had some sort of higher consciousness. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we kind of started with it. It is a salvation issue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. So thanks so much. And uh, just an update from our last podcast. Steve, uh, are we friends? I think so. Okay. Yeah, we, oh, we, we they made got, They got last, it together. Oh. <laughs> our last podcast, we weren't too sure. But uh, anyway, so look forward to the next episode after this one. I hope you enjoyed this one on heresy again. Uh, but uh, our next episode will be another one on scripture screw-up. So we'll take some scripture that are very commonly taken out of context, and we'll help you break that down. So until next time, take care, and we'll see you again next week. Yes, bye. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.